guys, it's Melissa. Since we're an independent podcast, your support means the absolute world, whether that's on social media, in a podcast review, or a word of mouth recommendation. If you've been enjoying this podcast and would like to take it a step further, I now have a support feature where you can contribute a one-time donation at whichever price you'd like. Click the link in the episode description to learn more. Thanks guys, now enjoy the show. The Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Mimosa Sisterhood podcast. This is your host, Melissa, and we're back today for another Everyday Woman episode where we feature a really inspirational life story of a badass woman that is kicking ass and taking names out there in the world today. And I am so stoked because today I get to do a little blast from the past and I sit down to chat with an old friend of mine who I used to work with as a waitress up in the Bay Area several thousand years ago. And I swear to God, you guys, it's like not a single day had passed once the minute her and I hopped on Zoom, made eye contact, shared a few giggles. It was like we were 23 again. I love that. So today I have Rochelle LaRude on the podcast and I have been trying to get her on the show for seriously like a year because this girl has been kicking major ass in her life and I think her story is extremely inspiring and it's just a reminder of how much your life can change from stage to stage as you develop and grow. And so back in the day, Rochelle and I were both just lost 20-year-olds, waiting tables, eating burgers, grabbing beers, struggling to pay our rent in the Bay Area. And today, I'm a podcast producer and she's a photographer. So what in the hell? That is so cool. And the coolest thing about it is that Rochelle's not just a photographer, but her entire life's goal is to capture the beauty, the art, and the magic around sustainable farming. So she has literally gone to so many independent farms in California, cold called those bitches, showed up on the farm and was like, show me your plants. I'm going to take pictures of them. Okay, it's not that obnoxious, but that's what she did. I learned so much about sustainable farming from Rochelle in this episode. And I think the greatest thing is that Rochelle didn't go to school for this. She didn't have some big corporate job where she learned all this information from her supervisor. She learned all of this by seeking it out herself. She showed up on the farms. She evaluated their food production and process. She photographed it all. She made personal connections with these people. And she consumed as much information as she could possibly fit into her brain on the subject through documentaries, podcasts, books, online resources, everything. So she built this dream for herself. And I love that. So... 
I really hope you enjoy today's episode. It's honestly might be one of my favorites. And I'm not just saying that because I love Rochelle. I truly think that the messaging that she gives out to us in today's episode is so important, specifically in the year 2021. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Before we get into it, I just want to remind you guys to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, honestly, wherever you get your podcasts so that you can receive episodes direct to your phone the minute that they go live. And as always, if you haven't yet given us a rating or a review, please do so if you have a spare moment in your day. These reviews go so far in helping us gain visibility and helping us find the right audience that will love our show and connect to the content that we're putting out there in the world. So if you do have a spare minute today, it would mean the world to me and I would love you forever for it. So on that note, let's get into this incredible episode. And if you do have some celery or carrots around, grab them now because you're going to want to be chomping away while Rochelle spit some knowledge to you today. Hello, Rochelle. Hi, Melissa. Thank you for having me. It's so good to be here and to talk with you and to hear your voice. And yeah, I'm just so, so thrilled that you're doing this. So thank you. Thank you for being on my podcast. How weird is life? How strange (laughs) have things evolved since we've last seen each other? It's amazing. It's amazing. So for everybody listening, Rochelle and I used to work together many, many moons ago as waitresses at a restaurant (laughs) in Sausalito, California, which is a really, really small town directly across the Golden Gate Bridge. And um, I mean, I think we worked together for quite a long time until I probably left first. But when we were working together, I mean... Rochelle was a waitress. I think you were engaged at the time. Like, I had just graduated college. Like, all I was doing was partying 24-7. And it's been many years since these days. And I think it's safe to say you and I are in very different places in our lives. Yes, yes. (laughs) And I have been so just, like thrilled because I love nothing more than seeing people that I know just thrive in their lives. And I've been following Rochelle's life since I've last seen her. And you're just doing such cool shit with all of your Mm. photography and all this awesome engagement that you have with farmers and just like vegetables. I'm blown away by the whole thing. So I was like, Rochelle, you got to come on this podcast. I need to know where you've been, what's been going on, what is this life path you're on, and how in the world are you on these beautiful, gorgeous farms with all this incredibly delicious looking vegetables and food? And what has been happening? So what's up, (laughs) Rochelle? What's been happening? (laughs) Well, you're absolutely right. A lot has changed since when we worked together there. Um, <laughs> good times, good times. <laughs> Speaking of, I, I, I'm pretty sure I heard your laugh before I ever met you when we worked there. And I was like, who is that? And then I met you and I was like, oh, the laugh fits perfectly. And I love it so much. And you're just such like a burst of like sunshine and happiness. And I, I love it so much. And so to get to hear your laugh again is a real treat. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, a lot has changed, that's for sure. But honestly, that restaurant sparked, um, 
a lot of it planted a lot of seeds of, of where I am now. So I do have that place to thank um, far as in my journey. Uh, yeah, I definitely stayed there probably longer than you did. I think I was there a total of four years. And no I just way. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Can we cuss on this podcast? <laughs> oh my God. All I do is cuss. Hello. You worked with me. You know me. Do, do I look like, have I ever been somebody to keep my mouth closed? <laughs> yeah. I just, there were so many moments of just like, fuck, like, what am I doing with my life? Like, not that there's anything wrong with like serving and it definitely like, you know, it took care of my needs and got me to where, you know, it got me to my next step. But I was just, I remember so many times rolling silverware in this gorgeous restaurant and <laughs> Seeing like tourists and then like San Francisco techie, like wealthy, like CEOs, all these people coming in and serving them. And I'm just like, what am I doing? Like, I really got to get on with my life. And I just like kept on thinking like, I'm so done wasting my time here. And so <laughs> it definitely yep. propelled me on. And so, um, yeah, I guess grateful for that moment. Well, um. so the <laughs> funny thing, and, you know, you know this already, and if anybody is listening to this podcast and is already aware of this, we had our boss on the Mimosa Sisterhood podcast yeah, a couple of episodes ago. So Rochelle and I worked with Ginny Brown, who you all got to meet during her incredible fucking groundbreaking episode on mm -hmm. my show where she talked about being a clairvoyant counselor and she was able to communicate with animals and she literally like blew my motherfucking mind i had like a like an actual life crisis within three days after that episode with her but either way <laughs> Ginny, Ginny was our it was our boss so rochelle and i worked with her in that same restaurant and we're all in very different places but one thing i will say about the restaurant industry is it's one of the most incredible opportunities to meet such a wide range of different types of people Definitely. from the people that are waiting tables to the bartenders to the managers to the entire kitchen staff like you really get a room full of all kinds of different types of people who probably would either have never met, never crossed paths, never would have hung out 40 hours a week together, you know? You get them all in the same room and we just jive. Like mm -hmm. I like my bestest friends, some of the greatest people I've ever met are people that I met while I was waiting tables. So I'm it, it's a hard job and it's it's like I mean, fuck, dude, there's so many ups and downs, but I'm so grateful for those years because they're hard. I mean, being a server in the restaurant industry is not an easy job. There are so many stressful things that you endure during that atmosphere, but you do it with other people and you build some of the greatest connections and so I'm just super thankful because I mean the fact that I can even hit you up you know after like eight years and be like yo come on the show and you're like hell yeah let's oh. do it yeah no <laughs> totally totally <laughs> Yeah, restaurants, the restaurant world, restaurant life. Yeah, it's, it's such a hard job. And you're right. Like you get, yeah, like so many beautiful like relationships come from it because it's just all these different people coming together and everyone works so hard that you just like any walls or barriers you might have had towards, and you know, someone that's like very different to you is like broken down because you're like, oh my gosh, we made it through. Like that was badass. Like, good job, everyone. Like, I'll see you tomorrow. Like, right. <laughs> See you tomorrow to do it all over again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but speaking of Ginny, Ginny, I'm so glad I got to meet her and to know her. And um, yeah, I'm really happy for her. And she's, yeah, she's a total badass babe. So she's, I know. she's definitely a rock star. She's cool. Love that woman. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, so how did we go from 
like what happened after you left the barrel house like how did your life did you I don't like I don't remember you doing photography when we worked together but I could have just maybe not known that about you so Mm -hmm. like how did you get into photography and then even more like what led you down this path of like really loving and advocating for like local sustainable food yeah I mean I think you met me probably at a point in my early 20s when I was the most lost I mean I was on my path but I was pretty, (laughs) I don't know, I was in a relationship that I was like trying to like make happen and make work because we had just been together long for like a a period of time. And, you know, there was love at a moment, but it changed rapidly. And so I was like clinging onto this old relationship and I was living in the Bay Area, like barely making ends meet. Um, And I don't know, I had just finished up like my time at junior college and I had studied applied design. And that was the first time that I had really taken any art classes in my lifetime. Like I went to a really small private um, Christian school actually. And so the amount of options we had to take for our classes, it wasn't that many. And um, so I just, yeah, I didn't take any art classes until I was like 22. And that's the first time that I actually felt like I was applying like everything, like all of myself. And the first time I was actually getting great grades. And the first time that I wanted to just like, it was just all I could think about. So I was like wrapped up in this very creative phase. And yeah, it was, it was just, it was a really creative period of my life, but nothing was really like um, developed. I didn't really understand what I wanted to do. And and this, this person, this boyfriend that I was with, we ended up getting engaged. And then shortly after we got engaged, it, it fell apart, which was the biggest blessing of my life. But he was a photographer and had studied, um, photography and cinematography and so I had worked um, in Marin this place called CMCM and they do a lot of like um, like TV recording and stuff like that and so I had started taking uh, like video classes and I had like helped on a set a few documentaries and stuff like that but I kind of had in my mind it's probably there's probably a name for this and some like you know psychotherapist could tell me what was going on but I was like oh well he's a photographer so I should do something supplemental and do something that's not Mm -hmm. that because anytime we tried to go out and shoot together he would always be like annoyed because I didn't have the same experience that he had and so he'd be like oh that's not how you do it and like immediately shut me down and so it was kind of like two things of me being like well maybe I can be creative in a different way and then also this other side of like um like I don't know, I don't want to step on his toes kind of thing. And so I just kind of lived in this limbo land. And then actually at that restaurant, I like came into work like the day after he broke up with me. He broke up with me and like literally it was the best thing ever. Like, but I came to work and I was just like bawling my eyes out and a different manager had to like peel me out of the bathroom. I was like pressed up against the locker and just like melting. And she's like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And she got me through it like just that day. And then it like, it really opened me up to like digging deep within myself and being like, what the hell do I want to do? And I realized that photography was what I wanted to do. And so then I slowly started um, just trying different types of photography. And actually this other manager at the, at this restaurant, she was like, Hey, we're getting married soon. Do you want to like photograph our wedding? And I was like, what? Like you would trust me to photograph your wedding. And, um, yeah, so that, that kind of kicked it off. And then I just working at that restaurant, I, you know, it wasn't like the highest, end of like you know food like dining or whatever but there was nice like a lot of a lot of chefs came to that restaurant but there was a lot of great food Um, well you were there when we first opened right yeah I was okay yeah so so from my memory when 
it first opened, that was when the food was the most like creative, authentic. You know, it did sort of preach the choir on using sustainable foods and everything sort of being like farm to table. And so that was the vibe of this place. Did this restaurant sort of like help continue to inspire or create that passion for sustainable food? Or were you just always into that kind of a thing? It definitely, it definitely propelled me, yeah, further into it. I think, yeah, I, I think when I was there, yeah, four years, there was four different chefs, at least four different chefs that came through. And then there were all the other, you know, like different chefs, the different types of chefs, like baking chefs and sous chefs and things like that. And so got exposed to a lot of different uh, types of cuisine and um, ingredients. And this particular restaurant and Ginny, they were very proactive in educating the staff on mm-hmm. um, what it is that they were selling. And so I, I really, I fall in love with beautiful things and I've always loved food. And so I was always just blissed out of my mind of like, wow, this is amazing. And I get like front row seat of like watching a chef develop um, a dish. And then like where it specifically like caught my attention is one day this restaurant was like upstairs. And like, I remember watching a a man come up the stairs with a basket, like a like a milk crate, but it was full of mushrooms that he had foraged himself. And no he way. was, yeah, he was like approaching the chef to sell him these mushrooms. And I was like, what the fuck? Like this person was out in the woods. Like these didn't come from like a farm. Like this, this person walked around in the woods for like two weeks or like a week or three days or all day yesterday. And now is <laughs> like selling us these mushrooms. And I just, I like fell in love with it. I just thought it was so beautiful. And then what really kind of got me is, just, I mean, not to be negative, Nancy, but just like really recognizing like how much we have in the United States, how much food access we do have. Not every part of every place has food access, but specifically being in this place, in this restaurant, there was so much that you had access to. And I just witnessed so much of it being taken for granted. And then also people just not understanding where their food comes from and just looking at a dish and being like, there are legitimately 60 items in this dish and we ate half of it over a conversation while I'm like tipsy and friends and I just like this is just another moment in my life and like it's not a big deal but like for me it was a big deal it was like oh my gosh like this dish is gonna have these mushrooms that this guy walked around in the woods like for right. like 12 hours and now they're gonna just like chow down like it just I just yeah it was it was a really eye-opening time for me and so um, yeah, I had, I had been pursuing photography and then I had tried like some newborn photography and weddings and I was just like doing portraits and just having fun. And then I was, I started researching like, you know, how to start your own business or like ways to stand out. And I realized that I needed to have a, a niche and I was like, well, what can I do? And I, I have worked in restaurants for a really long time. I, I started when I was 14 working in a restaurant. And no way. Were you the yeah. host? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. I, like, And honestly, at this point, like, I just finished up a term working at a restaurant here in Reno, Lulu's. And it's a beautiful place if you're ever in Reno. But, yeah, I mean, I've honestly worked in restaurants more than 
like any other job. More than half of my life I've worked in restaurants. And so I, I realized that I had like a huge background in food and that I've seen food and I've seen how people gather around food and I've seen like how much joy comes from food. And specifically like my grandparents, they like hosted every event, like holiday event. And they had two big like picnic tables in their dining room. It was this long, narrow dining room. And we would just gather around these picnic tables. And so I had ingrained in me like working in restaurants and then having this really strong sense of family and like community and how much of that revolved around food. I saw how beautiful food could be. And so I just, I decided that I wanted to photograph food. And at the time food photography was getting really flashy, but beyond like flashy food photography, I wanted to know like where our food was coming from. And at that time it was kind of like, know your farmer, that whole movement was taking place. And so I was like, well, um, I have a lot of chef friends. I can meet like farmer friends through my chef friends. And so I just went out and I started a personal project like documenting food, um, like food production of local farmers in the Bay Area. And that's where it started. So that is awesome. Okay, so you were still living in Marin at this time and you were going to your chefs that you had worked with to sort of find like network with these farmers. And then you would just show up and just sort of explore Yeah, specifically, I I did have some, I wanted to be going to organic farms and farms that were sustainable. And I was still figuring out what that actually meant at the time. But even beyond that, I I was aware that there was a farming crisis or shortage in America. um, And that a lot of farmers were dying off or retiring. And, you know, like the next generation wasn't picking it up. So I was like, okay, I know that there are young farmers who are farming right now, people my age. And so I specifically sought out for the first few years farmers um, that were like in their 30s or early younger than that to see who of my generation was taking up this task of like organic sustainable farming. And who were they? Were they typically usually like inheriting it from their own family members who'd sort of like had these farms for generations? No, they were (laughs) just like badass people like who are like "Mm, I want to make a difference like I don't want to be like yeah I want to do something better and this is an area that I found that I could do something better um and they were like taking out loans and starting farms wow and where were they where was this happening this was up in the north bay yeah this was all yeah sprinkled throughout the north bay um and then I eventually traversed Um, Northern California. And so I'm from Auburn, California. So the drive between like Auburn and and the Bay Area happened frequently in my life. And then the whole like Northern California, I mean, all of California is a food like Mecca. Um, But I was very familiar with like food routes and actual like old historic train routes and how food was like very prevalent, a lot of farms prevalent in Northern California. And so um, I was, yeah, in the North Bay and like North Delta, Sacramento, um, Auburn, all the way up to like Grass Valley, Nevada City. Um, yeah. So it was, yeah, it's was, it was beautiful. And it's really cool to see all the different regions and like who grows what well. Okay. So, so when you were on these farms and meeting these people, how did you sort of like, like, did you let them know in advance that like, I want to come here and take photos of what you guys are doing? Or how did you like work out the photography part? Yeah. It was a lot of cold calling, cold emailing, cold Instagramming, which, um, you know, I, I just be like, hey, I'm a photographer, I'm doing a personal project, and I think what you do is really important and interesting, and I'm really curious about your process. Um, can I come out and take these photos? And then whatever I get, I can give to you, and they're high-quality images, and you can use for your marketing or whatever. And so people were, like, generally very receptive 
Hell um, yeah. Are you yeah. freaking kidding me? Mm-hmm. That is that is so cool. And like honestly, it takes huge balls. Like <laughs> it really does though. I mean, it's very scary to put yourself out there like that, especially, you know, when you are doing something new for yourself. You know, it's not like you've been doing photography or having a lot of experience in the sustainable farming area. This is like a newfound passion of yours that you're really trying to pursue in your life and like making that huge step and reaching out and saying, hey, I want to come out here and check this out and meet you and take photos. Like that's not only exciting, but I feel like that's such a huge, a huge actionable step that you made. And, you know, I'm like just especially after talking to Jenny, like I feel like one of the biggest takeaway messages in her episode was so often people are afraid of the unknown and they're or they're just simply afraid to be happy. Like they know what their Mm -hmm. happiness looks like, but actually taking the steps and putting in the work to get to that happy place is so scary and intimidating that they often just never do it and that they would rather be comfortable in unhappiness than uncomfortable taking steps to their happiness. And so, I mean, everything Jenny said was mind-blowing. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that's that's a perfect example of that, you know? It, it's very, it can be very intimidating and scary to take these kind of steps towards our dreams or our, our business endeavors. And that in particular, you know, it's one thing to text a brand or email a brand and say, hey, send me some samples and like I'll, I'll you know, promote it. But like I'm going to actually drive out to you and like <laughs> take some really incredible high quality photos. And that's just so cool. Like was it how was that experience? Was it as awesome as you thought it'd be? Or were there any drawbacks or any obstacles that you found while doing it? Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I say at that time I was on fire. Um, <laughs> fire is like just recently out of a relationship and, you know, having to financially make things like happen for myself in the Bay Area and then taking on this new hobby of like buying a camera and buying the lenses and buying a computer and like, you know, just like, and then having, like you said, like the the gumption to like start messaging these people and believing in myself that I could make it happen. And it wasn't a quick like a quick, quick thing. This was over months of time, but honestly, like I like chase Jarvis live, his podcast, uh, for creators. It was specifically for photographers. And then it's turned into this whole other thing. Um, his podcast like kept me on fire and I was just fueling myself with books and podcasts and anything that kept me like, hell yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. And it was just like, you know, I, I, I already felt like I lived in this period of just stagnancy of where I was really holding myself back. And like, honestly, like the breakup, like I said, was the most beautiful thing because I like, I really believe that comfort kills. And I was just striving for a life of comfort of like, okay, let me just go to the grocery store and I'll make the nice dinners. And like, okay, I'll buy the nice dress. And like, okay, like we'll do this thing. And like, but none of it was like deeply satisfying. It was all things that I, you know, ultimately want in my life, but I was very, very comfortable and I wasn't putting myself out there um, at all. And so it was kind of like rip the bandaid off and it's like, okay, well, you've done that for enough, like a long enough period of time. Like, <laughs> let's just make shit happen. Like I'm, I'm really don't want to experience that ever again. So, yeah. um, it, that was a huge propeller for me specifically. That's so, so cool. And I totally agree. Like, especially even with me starting this podcast, like before I started this podcast, I had hit like a definite place of rock bottom in my life. 
And once I was, like, completely conscious of the fact that I was on the gravel with, like, the bottom feeders, (laughs) then I realized, like, okay... I can't get lower and I don't want to stay here. So there's only moving up. And that up was being creative, having mm-hmm. a passion project, finding inspiration through other women and through women in history, you mm-hmm. know, spending all of my time building something from scratch, something that I can be proud of and that I created and that was mine. And mm-hmm. I don't know that I would have actually ever done that if I hadn't you know, gotten to such a shitty place in my life where I felt like I had nothing and I was super empty. So sometimes, you know, these incredible things that we end up finding or exploring really can only be born from such emptiness or such places of darkness. So I don't, I love it. It's, it's like the Phoenix rising. Totally. So a couple of questions that I have about some of these farms. So I'm assuming you have met so many people going from farm to farm. How long would you stay? Would it just be like a day trip or do you stay for a couple of days at a time? So it'd be like a half day situation. I really didn't want to be rushed. And it was also really dependent on like what time they had. Like farmers are really busy, hardworking people, often like sunrise to sundown. And they're dealing with... (laughs) Just a really odd assortment of things that they have to get done. And so to be like, yeah, I want to come take pictures. It's like, uh, <laughs> like just like throw me in. Like, I will just follow you. Because also, yeah. you know, like um, that was just the easiest way for me. Because I, I just also selfishly just wanted to see what they were doing. So it wasn't just like, I want to take a picture of you next to a pumpkin. It was like, let me see how you change the irrigation. Like, let me mm-hmm. see you harvesting. Like, I don't know what tools you use to harvest this. Like, okay, cool. And so that that was it. So it was usually I would hang out for anywhere from like three, three to six hours. Um, yeah. So like over all of the time that you've been doing this, like what are some of the things that like stood out to you that were either like shocking or so cool or something like really awesome that you learned that you had no clue about or even just like a couple of things that you learned about like, the culture of the farmers, their relationship with each other, their work ethic. Like, were there any major takeaways that really stood out to you that are just, like, ingrained in your brain and, like, held deep within your heart after spending so much time on farms? Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's, yeah, just so many really beautiful moments. I, I specifically am a person that really loves being outside, and I, I do love nature. Um, so... I think the biggest thing that I would just take away every time I would visit a farm is just like, that was my moment of being outside and standing in the dirt, standing, like there's a big difference of being like pounding the pavement all day and there's like standing on soil. Um, It like sounds like woo woo, but there's something different. It's exhausting in a different kind of way. And um, also just being in the sun is exhausting and like being like in fresh air. And like, I think one of the most, like there were so many blown away moments. Like every time I go to a farm, like there's a moment where I fall in love. But I think one of the most blissed out, like early moments that I had was visiting this farmer and he had sheep and we were there, it was like sun going down and it was like the last few moments that we could like still be there. And I remember just standing, like getting out of his truck and like getting these last few moments and then like hearing sheep grazing. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, like you get to hear this all the time. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really beautiful. And like, um, he would move his, his sheep to graze on different people's property. So this was actually on like someone's house property, like a field, there was a house nearby. And he, he said like that they had always mentioned like how much they love hearing the sheep eat. And like, there's just these moments that just feel so ingrained in like, like our blood, our DNA, and then to hear it for the first time, it was just the most soothing, peaceful feeling ever. And so I just feel so privileged to be able to like, like experience those moments. And I want to be able to like drop his handle because I just was blown away and like constantly swept away by beauty. And I think there's a, a part of me that's a romantic. There's also a part of me that is like still doing this because I love process. And I'm like the kind of person that likes to take things apart and put it back together. So I just want to see, like, I wanted to like physically figure it out. But I, you know, ultimately it's just, I started learning more about sustainability and I started learning about food waste and like where things grow and like, yeah, I mean the biggest, the biggest hitter like recently as far as like global warming is just like realizing how much soil like sequesters like carbon. And so if people are farming the right way, you're actually like capturing all of that. And so it's just, yeah, there's so many sciencey things to it and like real life beautiful moments and people that are just working their asses off. And I honestly, like farmers are the most soulful people I've ever met. Like really. <laughs> you know, that doesn't surprise me because, and it, you know, it's almost ironic where you would, people would probably think like, if I had the option to sit at a desk and send emails for eight hours and like attend a couple conference calls where we're all just rambling over each other and we get nothing done, but we feel really entitled with what we're doing. Or I will go and work all day in the sun on my feet and farm, whether that's like animal farming or vegetables or sowing the soil. Like, I don't know all the terminology. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I think most people would be like, I'm, I'm not going to go farm. That sounds like so much work. Manual labor that's so hard on your body that's so this and that. But like, it, I feel like if you really think about it and to get woo-woo, like that is where we originated. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were hunter and gatherers. That's what humans were. That's what we originated from. That was our only option, our only source of survival. And, you know, as somebody who sits behind a commute computer for the past six years of my life, like not moving, barely getting fresh air, rarely seeing the sunlight, often shoveling quick meals down my throat in the 30 minutes that I have from meeting to meeting, barely getting paid, barely getting any of my work acknowledged or recognized. I mean, to think that that's the highlight, like, that is not even human, you know? It's more robotic. It's more, it's not, it's not connected to our spirit soul in terms of where we originated from and it it's just stress and it's just overwhelming technology and just things that are unnatural to the human body but i would imagine like being outdoors and working with plants and vegetables and growing things and being the person that like literally harvests large amounts of vegetable and food product that the rest of the world then is able to consume like that is magic i mean like it like you had mentioned earlier in this episode that there was this like epidemic of farmers and they're either dying out or they're retiring and who's the next generation you know 
if we were to eliminate farmers from life and have some kind of apocalypse where food was no longer being grown or processed, like all of these fucking techies, people like me, what would they do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and and I think like there's so many reasons why I'm I want to continue down this path that I'm on and, and why I'm like super in love with it and committed still. But I I think coming from more of a Bodunk like backroads town like it it's like right off the freeway, but it's still like people say there's a lot of hicks there. And then living you know in the Bay Area for ten years and I saw the, the beauty and the benefits of both things. And but I also recognize like with lawmaking and legislation and like. You know, the people in the city want something, but then the people that actually impacts directly the people that live in more rural areas where people are actually going to be farming. Um, and then vice versa. Like, and so I just like, it's just another moment of where we're all connected and you can't have one without the other. Um, yep. and, and you know, it's never going to be this, this time where like everyone becomes a farmer. Like I've always forget the statistics, but like at the beginning of like our country coming together, it was the majority of every household. They had their own farm. Like that was what everyone was doing. And, and like, I still think like, you know, like going through this process and like having to be in like California where there's tons of like, you know, people here from other countries and have immigrated here and just like hearing multiple immigration stories that like, Things that people bring with them to another place are usually seeds, jewelry, like recipes, and maybe some clothing. But like the fact that people bring seeds with them to their new place because they want to plant the foods that they love. And it's just this thing that like people have been, you know, tending to plants and, and yeah, they've been tending to their food for a very long time. And so I just, I think it's, I don't know. After like seeing like beautiful foods, the, okay. So the other thing, oh my gosh, I'm tripping over words. But the other thing of like being in this restaurant, like the same restaurant that you and I worked at, at the same time, I had family in Sacramento, and they had a rougher upbringing for sure, and they've done really well for themselves now. But I remember at the time I went to to visit one of my cousins, and he was telling me that like eating at Seven Eleven, that was his grocery store. And yeah. I was just like, what the fuck? Because like <laughs> the food that I was eating was so beautiful. And, and right. when I'm in, when I'm at 7-Eleven, I don't want to eat an apple at 7-Eleven because that apple I know is not going to taste good compared to the apples that I've had. And so just knowing that that food is coming from very far away and that it's not going to be nutrient dense. So even if you think that you're making like this great decision on an apple at that moment, it's probably a, a really old apple that's dead actually. And so it just really depressed me and like was really like crazy of just like within this amazing state of California at the time of like, that's where I lived at the time of just like, oh my gosh, the disparities and like, of like who has something and who doesn't have something and like, how could right. this be happening in an area where like we, we technically should have access to all this stuff. Um, yeah. That was another motivator. So Yeah. Yeah, you know what else I was just thinking about, too, is, like, even just with this pandemic over the past year, what was the one thing everybody started doing during the pandemic? Heck, yeah. They, like, uh, so many, like, <laughs> seed catalogs were out of stock. They're still out of stock this this year. Like, like I was, plants, yeah. peppers, mm-hmm. gardens. Like, mm-hmm. everybody, like, that was almost everybody's immediate initial response to, totally. I'm, we're in a pandemic, life has ended, I'm trapped at home, I need a source of creativity, nutrition, health, light, just, like, 
just, you know, uh, just even something to look after, to raise, to watch totally. develop, some like a light of positivity. Everybody went to growing things, buying mm-hmm. plants, surrounding themselves by another form of life, even just getting pets, you know? So many animals were adopted during this last year during the pandemic. Like, I think that's very telling about the human soul, you know, when, we, when we've when we lost all this distraction, all of the things that we've come so accustomed to and we're really kind of forced to just be alone with ourselves and we feel that loneliness like the things that our society grabbed onto or sought after to sort of fill that void were like nature hikes walks plants farming vegetables and i i love that I mean, I love that. I think that is so beautiful and just like so telling of what we're like and what we love and what we naturally are drawn to. And I really hope that these are the things that like carry on after the pandemic, that people remember, you know, what that felt like to get a couple seeds at the, the local nursery and spend seven months watching that plant grow like that that was all I had <laughs> like mm-hmm. I went downstairs every day to check on my jalapenos and it was the <laughs> only thing I had all fucking day to look forward to like and it gave me great joy I mean for a minute at the start of the pandemic I had we could we didn't have enough room on the balcony for all of our our plants between <laughs> the herbs the chives the four peppers like there was no more room left I had to mm-hmm. resort took down to the garage and start growing them out on the floor um but I mean I love that and I, I just think that it was such a special part of this shitty year is just seeing all of the beautiful creative natural things that people started picking up as hobbies which are really very like to the core of humans you know mm-hmm. what I mean mm-hmm. definitely definitely yeah just like tending after something it's it is so fun I, my boyfriend and I had the same situation because we we tried moving throughout the whole pandemic especially when it early started like and so I had all these seeds and it was like kind of like his first time being exposed to it and I just had all these crazy different types so we bought these trays and we had like over 300 starts on our patio and our <laughs> patio was like not facing the right direction for enough sunlight and then eventually they all got really big and then we're currently oh, here in Rio Nevada God. so then there's all of a sudden some days where it's like 30 miles of wind for like the next five days so all my corn was like on its side and I was like this is so sad and depressing but like I shipped I like just pawned them off to whoever would take them and then we eventually got rid of it but it was so fun it kept us right. occupied for weeks and it was just like the most like oh my gosh the chives are showing like right it was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was fun. oh my god okay well a couple more questions i have a few more questions about the farms because I, honestly this is all new information for me i don't know anything about farms about you know any type of sustainable practices they're doing like anything so you're mm-hmm. you're my guru for today so a couple of things i'm wondering you brought up like the climate issue. Is this mm-hmm. something that like all farms take into consideration or have you just only stumbled upon a couple that are really considering, you know, this climate crisis that we're going through or like what are you hearing about what are the rumblings on climate in terms of like how farms are operating or thinking or what what is their perspective? Um I think you know it most small farms that are like you know around in your in your area i would say if they're wanting to grow things organically like even if they're not certified organically but that's their practice is like to grow things organically and sustainably um i think within quick conversation with them 
most people will find that they're incredibly political and um, they're really, really passionate. And there's all these different like ways that you can kind of like better the soil and like better the, the land that you're farming on and not just deplete from it. And there's many different ways that they, they, they do that. There's all kinds of different practices. And so I think, especially if, if you're in California or on the, I think there's a lot of different growing areas, but it's like small, organic, sustainable farms. Um, they'll be doing it. It's, it's the big like monocropping. Right. Where, yeah, they're constantly having to spray fertilizer so it'll grow and they're having to constantly spray weed killer to suppress the weeds. That's where it's just depleting the soil and they're tilling. And so it, it releases all the moisture from the soil and then becomes a dust bowl. And then once the soil loses its moisture and it loses the life in the soil, it just becomes dirt. And it takes a lot of work to bring that dirt back to life to actually like build the life back in it. I, I, am terrible at the quotes, but there is like a, a line, like scientifically, like in a handful of soil, there is more like life in it than like on, there's more organisms than on all of the planet itself. Like soil is so full of life. So when you find farmers that are making sure to always replenish, like some, some plants, like if you grow potatoes in the same spot over and over again, they will, they will constantly pull the same minerals and, and compounds out of the earth. And so it depletes it. So a lot of these farmers are really conscious on rotating their crops and to have cover crops so that that soil is always covered and that the moisture is retained and that it's feeding the soil something different. So that by the time you go to plant potatoes again, that soil is, has more nutrients than it did the first time, or it can at least sustain the potatoes. And so yeah, it's, it's, it's really complex, but it's also, the ideas are simple, but yeah, farmers, yeah, they, they got it all down. So when you're on farms, did you ever have the opportunity to like taste test some of the veggies and stuff? Yeah. I mean, it's really sweet. I think every time I'm, I usually go and visit a farmer, they're often harvesting things. And as they're picking it, they're like, you want some radishes? Do you want some carrots? Like, <laughs> and so I like walk away with like an armful of like fresh vegetables and it's, it's really sweet. So yeah. did you ever have any like actual personal one-on-one -on -one conversations with the people who are doing all of this work on the farms to bring this incredible organic food that we get to eat every day? Like any food for thought that like they've provided, said to you that really just kind of stuck out and like sits with you today? Hmm. Trying to see if like anything... Well, I main I mainly ask because there are times on like your Instagram page that you take you show like pictures of the the people that you've met on the farms and they're smiley and they look happy or they're holding a vegetable and like they look like pleasantly enjoying themselves and I'm just like assuming that in that moment this either is somebody you've been chatting with or learned more about and so I just feel like especially people who live in big cities like how we did you know living in wild and crazy san francisco working in corporate companies and stuff like that like it's not every day that you get to talk to somebody whose whole life is harvesting food and mm -hmm. living this organic sustainable path and just like creating life for all of us to enjoy and i guess i haven't met anybody like that so i guess i'm just curious like it, you have and if there's anything that you've just noticed from these people from like their demeanor to their mental health or just the positivity they bring or do they have stress or have they given any like told you any you know hardships that they endure like 
is there any personal connection you've made that you were able to kind of like provide for us? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, yeah, that's a great question. Cause I, I do feel very privileged to be able to like hang out with these people and eventually become friends with them if I hang out long enough. So most, most of these small farms, they, they literally are small farmers. So it's, um, often a couple or, yeah, anywhere from like two to five people that are managing the farm, like running the farm. So usually while I'm there, I'll just, I'll just hang out with one person for like 15, 20 minutes, half hour and talk to them. And they'll usually have questions about like, why the heck I'm standing there and they don't understand <laughs> like who I am. And there's, there's kind of this wall at first of like, what are you doing? And like, why are you yeah, running my morning? Totally. Maybe, I'm, maybe they're an introvert, but then they, they very quickly open up once they uh-huh. realize that like I'm on their side kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and immediately, yeah, I mean, you can tell like most of these people, I mean, I'm sure they're using sunscreen, but they have great skin. Like they're glowing. They're like, they're just plump and juicy because they're eating great food. Um, and they're also, I think, you know, they get to be outside and they love what they're doing. Most of them feel very passionately about what they're doing. It's not like, like how we like pass to the restaurant industry of like, well, I'm here because I need to make some money real quick. It's like, no, they like very, um, intentionally put themselves in that position. And so, yeah, like I said, it like very quickly, um, they're, they're very, very interested in like food sovereignty and sustainable, um, agriculture and sustainable lives and leaving the the world a better place. And, um, yeah, (laughs) conversations get pretty, pretty thick, pretty quick. So yeah. um, yeah. Do they ever talk about like any, cause California is known for our droughts, our fires, all of that kind of drama. Like, do they ever, have they ever talked to you about that? Like any kind of drought crisis that they experience or worry about, or even just fires in the area? I mean, yeah. I mean, the fires the last few years have been particularly terrible. And so every farm, of course, um, especially in California, you're I mean, even here in Reno, a fire from California came into Nevada and was like threatening a farm. I mean, it seems like fires every year are threatening, you know, whether it's grapes or agriculture, flowers, it's affecting all of those industries. And that's definitely a concern. And um, it's really, you know, it's their whole livelihood. If it burns down, it's, you know, it's heartbreaking and devastating and um I haven't heard much about droughts. If I if I was there on a day to day basis, like I think throughout the yeah, weeks, totally. I would I would hear all of that. But again, it's just like when you take care of the soil and things are growing on the soil, the actual climate above that, the weather actually changes. So really, mm-hmm, yeah, it's really crazy. You should watch Kiss the Ground. It has Woody Harrelson in it, and it's getting a lot of it because it sums up nicely a lot of these ideas. Um, is it a new movie? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Oh shit! Mm-hmm. It's okay, a documentary, yeah. but yeah, there's yeah, there's yeah, it's fun. Okay, well, I'm curious. Like after everything you've learned from the farms and the farmers, have you like made any particular sustainability changes in your own life? Whether that's your own, like whatever you're eating or how you're purchasing food, or things you've eliminated or things you're prioritizing, any like particular changes on your end? Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things that I think I'm aware of, and I think that they take time to like implement into full habits. Um, like personally here, like I'm aware of how often we take out the garbage. And so in that case, it's like, how many things are 
packaged in plastic. I mean, that's, that's like this whole other thing. Also, every time, like I live in the third floor of an apartment and we're about to move across country, but I said started like um, a composting service. And so like they just like give you a bucket and like every time I'm cooking, I can just throw the scraps in the bucket and then there's pickup points where they can come either like fetch the bucket my, themselves or I can bring it to them kind of thing and compost it and then get soil. So there's like really cool like composting services that I, I'm really excited about because anytime I had to just throw in like a bunch of like food scraps into the garbage, I just feel like it's, it's nutrients that's just dying in a plastic garbage bag. And so that was mm-hmm. just like heartbreaking. So that's something I really love to do. Um, quick, in- sorry, quick question. I don't mean mm-hmm. to interrupt you, but mm-hmm. this composting service, this is something that's offered to you? Yeah, it's offered here in Reno. I think it's called down to earth composting. Um, I'm sure that there are similar places in the city near you. <laughs> um, this, this particular composting company, they even send people on bikes on what? routes to retrieve the buckets of compost. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm, I'm shocked by this because I live in El Segundo, which is a little beach town right next to LAX uh, airport in Los Angeles. Okay. And we don't have recycling. Oh my gosh. Do yeah, you know I, how mortifying that is? <laughs> I don't think Reno has recycling either, um, to be honest with you. And I'm blown away by this because it, it's crazy to me that, you know, a, a, a place like Los Angeles, California wouldn't require recycling when you know that this entire city is jam-packed with people in it. Like, how could you not require recycling? So to think that you have the ability to compost, I would just, I'm just naturally assuming I wouldn't even have that ability, but I, I haven't actually looked into it, so. Yeah, check it out. I don't, I, yeah, this is definitely not a city-run um, thing. I know San Francisco does collecting of food scraps and they compost those, but um, this is just, yeah, a private, it might be, I, I don't know if it's a nonprofit or a company. I think it is a company um, within Reno. So, yeah, a composting service, if you don't have access to a backyard, or a place where you can have compost. Or sometimes, you know, like composting is a pain in the butt sometimes. To be perfectly honest, like not everyone has the time to properly compost. But if you can get your scraps, your food scraps to a place that will take care of them, um, that's a great, a great help. And so in addition to, I'm sorry, I, I totally took us off on a different railing. But so yeah, so you were telling me about like any type of sustainable changes you've made in your own personal life. Composting was one of them. And I feel like you were going to tell me something else. And then I, I stepped in. No, you're great. Um, I I think, I mean, I'm always trying to like monitor how many greens and vegetables I have. But um, for a while, Whole Foods was a really great place for me to buy greens, especially in Reno. Um, like, cause we're we're kind of it's a desert, and it's actually like technically kind of a food desert. It is a food desert, and so not a lot of the grocery stores had like local produce or locally produced greens. Um, so in in Whole Foods in this region, I was still able to buy like kale and cilantro from like farm names that I recognize out of California. But I think that isn't even just an interesting exercise of like paying attention to the labels on their produce when we buy it. And Mm -hmm. Whole Foods, I think, has become a lot more lax. Um, They're, you know, Amazon runs them now. And so there's a produce coming from all over the place. And now it's kind of looking just like a normal run of the mill grocery store, but you can still Mm -hmm. access um, food from small farms. Um, So there's that. And then also I would say, you know, like, it's, it's, it's just like a, it's a lifestyle change, but like finding people that are actually producing local food in your area and figure out where that can happen. If, if whether it's a box of veggies, like a CSA, or it's a, like an open form CSA, where it's actually like a building that you get to walk through and like, what's you get a CSA? S- 
Um, I don't know what it, the ac certify. I don't know what the acronym stands for, but usually farmers to have like a a viable business like business model is people will buy a CSA and that gives the farmer money at the beginning of the year to actually like plant their crops and to like um, pay for their staff and all the oh, machinery wow. and stuff. So yeah, you would be like, okay, I want to buy like, I want a box of freshly grown produce like once a month from you guys. And so you pay it either monthly or you can pay it, I'm sure up front. Um, but then like that, the farmer also then knows how much food to grow. So there are a lot of access points for farmer CSA programs and they're all ran a little bit differently and have different perks. So depending, a lot of them have like, okay, Thursday night, like go on, go online and pick out what you want in your box kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so, wow. but I, I think there are moments where you can actually go and meet your farmer, um, whether it's like an on property farmer's market or things like that. So it's like it might take a minute to like get out of your routine but it's highly rewarding hell yeah Um, yeah so this i have a question and this is just coming to my mind and it might not be something you can answer but i'm gonna throw it out there say somebody isn't able to eat that way forever like say they want to make some changes in their lives and eat organic as much as they can but it can't be every single thing that they purchase when they go to a whole foods like are there particular vegetables that should be at the highest on your list of things to grab organically because i know i personally have heard a lot of drama with like cauliflower and broccoli and like certain cruciferous if that's even how you say it Mm -hmm. but like some of those veggies that like are hell of dirty and like have all kinds of nets going on with them like do you happen to know what those kind of vegetables would be that should be prioritized if you do have to or if you were only capable of purchasing a couple of things organic um you know i i do know that there is a lot of crops that are like their toxicity load there's is a lot higher as far as like how many pesticides need to be used on them to grow them if they're not organic but i don't know that full extensive list what i what i will say is that it just requires some intention. It's definitely a privileged thing, but if you're like, okay, I mean, I think just eating healthier in general, it just, it depends on how you want to do it. If it's like, okay, I can only dedicate 25% of my food, like money to go towards organic fruits and vegetables. I think you'll find that your, your money goes a long way. When you start buying proteins, things get more expensive, but you know, like as of right now, like an organic bunch of kale versus a non-organic bunch of kale like sometimes they're the exact same price or it's 20 cents more mm-hmm. so a dollar 97 versus a dollar 77 like that mm-hmm. doesn't really hurt you know at the, at the end of it and there are like i mean in reno like right now i've been really blown away with the community out here there are so many groups and nonprofits and farmers that are striving so hard for food accessibility and so they are there are free like CSA organic boxes that if you say, I need one, they will just give you one. No questions asked. Wow. Yeah. And so there are a lot of people that are doing the heavy lifting and they're putting their necks out to make sure that people can get this. And so if it's, if you really want it, I think you can find it. Um, and can make those decisions. It's, you know, like, I mean, to say that I, my whole life and my whole shopping and everything I eat is sustainable, it's not, but it's something that like, when I do it, I'm aware that like, oh, this probably is not great. And so it's just like this, this, you know, like we all have all the things that we want to do and accomplish within our life, but it's the baby steps and it's the awareness. And I think, I think we all benefit from being a little bit more 
aware and having like setting intention, I guess. Um, so no judgment. It's just like, <laughs> we all want the earth to be green and beautiful and lively and we want each other to be healthy. So whatever, yep. whatever way you can contribute to that is a beautiful thing. Yep. I totally agree. I definitely am going to be looking into the composting thing. Yeah. For sure. Especially since I don't have recycling. But I wanted to ask you, so you already mentioned a couple of times that you're moving. I know you're moving across country. You're going to a completely different state. Like, do you plan on continuing your photography and farm sustainability over there? Or like, what's happening with that? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so we're moving to North Carolina. It's kind of on a whim. This year we tried to moving all like places here in Nevada, and we also tried moving back into California a few times. And ultimately, it just felt like, okay, this is not working. And I think I've always wanted to do a stint on the East Coast. And I'm in my early 30s, and I don't have kids, and so it's never going to get easier to like move across the country. So it's going to happen now. Um, actually, like <laughs> coming this Thursday, we will drive across the country. Drive? Oh my god! Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's very exciting. It's gonna be like you know, just big changes. And I've I've been in communication with companies that I'd like to work for, but I'm still working as a freelance photographer. And so ultimately, my goal is to continue telling food stories, and yeah, just working to kind of like spread awareness about how food is made and just get people excited about it. So I would like to to be able to take work anywhere in the country or throughout the world and just fly in and take a job and tell food stories. So, but we're going to, I'll be stationed in North Carolina for who knows how long. So. So have you been to North Carolina or is this like literally like we're winging it? We're winging it. I've never been. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what led you to North Carolina? Is there a particular like draw to this specific state? Um, well, the, the man in my life now, who I, I love dearly and is very kind and very supportive of the work that I do, um, he is from San Diego, but he grew up in New Hampshire, and um, his dad went to North Carolina State, and so he often went to North Carolina to visit family, and he always considered it a place that he could call home, and I'm at a place in my life where I am ready for a home, and I'm ready to kind of have that home to come back to kind of thing. I still want to be going out there and seeing the world, but I definitely want to come back to a home. And so we're considering our options. And North Carolina, to me, like, obviously, I haven't been there. But from the things that grow there and the climate that we've researched, it's um, kind of like the California of the East Coast. So really? a lot of yeah, a lot of things grow there. <laughs> it kind of blows me away. I'm like, I'm moving to the south technically. Like this is not something as a California girl I have not experienced. So it'll be fun. Listen, it's like especially with how fucking weird this last year has been, like whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. What are you going to just move back if it doesn't work out? It's like it's now or never. It's like this is the time. Like life is already as weird as it can get. That you know, going across country and making a life change like that is like might as well. <laughs> exactly. It's, yeah. It's kind of like well, okay, let's go. Like <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, so I am curious. So anybody that might be listening, who two things, two questions. One, either they have always been interested in photography and for whatever reason they haven't taken that path or they don't know what steps to take down that path. Like what advice would you have for that photography loving person who is just needing a little bit of a kick to go that next way? 
I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if photography is a thing that you love, I think you'll find that you're already taking lots of photos um, and you'll be getting that bliss from that. So then I think a challenge is like, you know, sharing that and putting putting yourself out there. Maybe you're already doing that. So that's great. And then um, I think just, you know, some people might just want to do it as a hobby. And if you want to do it as a career, there are so many people that are already doing it as a career and you can find what type of photography you like and find the people that are already doing it and just get inspired by them. And I feel like, you know, just any person that there's something that's kind of like peeping at you within your your soul or your heart or just within your body being like that thing I love that thing just like just run towards it because you know we don't know how long we're gonna be here and um yeah it's just it's just worth it like you'll either way you'll have a blast so just put yourself out there and do it is there any like recommendations that you have for like starter equipment yeah what I would recommend is I personally have a mirrorless camera. I love it because it's really small and you can take it most places. Um, and then I have three prime lenses, which means that they don't zoom. So they're one focal length. Get really quality lenses, like spend the money and get the, the lenses. I bought three at the beginning and there's only two that I really love, 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 love using. Um, and so just do the research and figure out exactly what you'll be shooting and then do the research and finding out which lenses will work for you and invest in those lenses because they're definitely worth it. So what's on the horizon for you? I feel like you have big dreams, big goals, big plans, especially like coming into this next chapter in a new area. Do you have any like huge life initiatives for yourself or, you know, this next stage of your life, especially in regards to your photography, growing a business and like making a name for yourself in the sustainability world? Yeah, I mean, I... I I made this agreement with myself in high school that I wanted to visit half the countries in the world before I died. And I am 32 and I've only been to Mexico. Uh, I've been... I've been like, I've been to some cool places in the United States, but yeah, so far as the trajectory and like being like, oh, I'm so good right now. It's, it's been a really slow, long process, but I know that I, I keep on like inching myself closer and closer to like what I want to do. Um, yeah. So ultimately, yeah. And I, I feel like I'm, this next move will be, um, I think a pretty big next chapter for me, um, in my career, because I do want to continue telling food stories in a sustainable way. Like I don't want it to be something that just blows up, you know, for like three or five years and then it's like um I I might one of my best friends also is in uh the fashion industry and so she's been taking the last like two years to just do a like a nosedive into fashion sustainability and there's so much work that needs to be done there too and um I think I'm just I'm just always going to be educating myself on like how to better tell this story and how to uplift the people that need to be lifted up um and hopefully I get to travel to some cool places meanwhile doing that but I definitely uh, I've been starting locally because that's what I have access to. And I think that's a really great way to do it for anybody in their community is, is to actually like know your community a little bit better and, and see what's happening. And it does help when it's like all doom and gloom out there and it's fires and drought in California. And you're like, oh, but like these farmers over here are doing really good or whatever community that like really drives you or serves you well. Um, it just it helps to get plugged into those places for, I guess, perspective and community. But yeah, I think this this year and it just in the future I just I want to be working a lot and traveling a lot. That's the goal. Love it. Yeah. I feel ya. Yeah. What's what's yeah, what's coming around the corner for you? Oh god, who knows? Hopefully a couple of podcast sponsorships would be great. Hey. You know, it, yeah, we we could only hope. 
and just keep doing what I'm doing, really, and meeting lots of cool people out there and just networking and connecting. And I, I mean, that's that's been the coolest part is just talking to so many different people and everybody's so fucking cool and everybody is so awesome and inspiring and has their own shit and I'm it's just exciting it just makes me excited like I get excited for just everybody else too like I I like walk away from podcast interviews just feeling like so hyped up like hell yeah we're all just out here fucking shit up it rocks you know right Right? it's fun like I love it. I think it's so cool. And I I love that we live in like a society where everybody is like willing to take risks and take big moves. And I love to be able to bring all of that together onto my show and it hopefully inspire everybody else who's listening. Who knows? We'll see. But yeah. Heck yeah. No, I mean, I definitely love listening to your podcast. And I know personally that like you have sent me inspiration, even just being like, what the hell are you doing? Like you're taking pictures (laughs) of farmers. Like, I mean, yeah, you've been like a a really big like cheerleader on the side of like, hell yeah. So I appreciate it. And yeah, you're like uh, a cornerstone in the community of just people like inspiring other people and women inspiring other women. So yeah, that's good. Oh, well, thank you. Okay. Well, before I ask you the burning question of the evening, is there any particular topics we've not discussed, things you wanted to talk about that we haven't yet, something I might've missed, like any last lingering thoughts before we start wrapping up? (laughs) No, I mean, just thank you for doing what you're doing and bringing women together and inspiring women and sharing their story because these moments are are really impactful and they help other people along the way too, especially because you just see someone and they're like there and then you compare yourselves to like where they're at and it's like, how the heck did they even get there? But people are on their path like their whole entire life and um, it's just, it's it, I know that I have listened to so many podcasts that inspired me. So just thank you for doing this and yeah, just being awesome and doing this. So thank you. Of course. It is my absolute utter pleasure to sit down and talk to people like you and tell stories and share stories and drink together. You've been drinking. What, what was the sour beer? Yeah, I had a, a crushed cucumber sour. Ooh, bomb. Where was that from? This is 10 Barrel Brewing Co. Bomb. Well, I'm drinking some Three Thieves Pinot Noir, a California red Got it from um, my my new wine go-to, Cost Plus World Market. Now that I'm a member and I get like 20% off their bottles, it's just like Ooh. my forever. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. If, if Find out if they have one of those in North Carolina and go shop because they've got some good wine. <laughs> I will. I definitely will. Um, wait. Actually, I, I do have some quotes. Actually, I had some next to me from something I wrote down a while yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like they're really powerful. And it's like a woman yeah, who does like please. meditation. And so they're, they're like a little bit woo-woo. But these are just – it's Pema Chodron. And um, that's the woman. I like stole these from a book that she wrote. But just be generous with your joy. Share the wealth. We have limitless wealth. Like as a human, like you have limitless wealth. And then victory to others. And it's woo-woo, but it's all beautiful. So that's that's just – that's it. We love woo woo. There's no there's no discrimination on the woo woo. In fact, let's give a woo let's give a woo to woo woo. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, well here's the final question of the evening. Mimosa Sisterhood Podcast. We're here drinking and celebrating women. What does sisterhood mean to you? 
it just means like recognizing the the beauty in others and uplifting them and being there for them and just honoring each other's differences. Yes. Did you ever notice like were there by the way, I just this literally just came into my mind. Are there a lot of women on farms? Yeah, there are. Really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> it's always really fun to see their perspective and um like experience their energy because they're usually really grounded and mellow and like very observant and there's just like this deep sense of like wisdom so it's always an honor cool well thank you so much for coming on the show i am so excited that you are here and that i get to talk to you after all of these years so it's been so long since i've seen you heard your voice just very excited. I am so happy for you and the life that you have led over the past couple of years since I've not seen you. And I just can't wait to hear how your big giant move goes and this next adventure that you have. And then, of course, just watching you thrive and flourish in the world, killing it as a photographer and just fucking shit up on the sustainability end. And I'm just so excited to just watch you fucking ruin lives in a good way so cheers to that <laughs> cheers yeah thank you for having me it's been a pleasure and if anyone who listens to this and they're like we know some people that Rochelle needs to get connected to just reach out to me on Instagram because yeah like just the community extends past like our immediate communities so any any like connectivity there is really appreciated we'll tell everybody how they can find you and stay in touch uh, you can find me on Instagram at Rochelle, R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E, and then I think it's underscore Larude, um, L-E-R-U-D-E, and you'll see a flower pop up, and that's me. Love it. And I'll, I'll tag you in the episode description as well. Thank you. And then you have a, do you have a website? I have a portfolio, um, and that's the same thing. It's Rochelle Larude and then portfolio. If you just Google my name, it'll show up. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for telling us all about your awesome photography and all your farmer friends and all this vegetable action. And I'm just so appreciative. So thank you so much for for joining me today and having drinks with me and talking about our kick-ass lives. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Here's to some sponsorships this year. (laughs) Right. Right. Fingers crossed. It's 2021. It's time. It's time. It is fucking time. Is it just me or do you want to go roll around in the dirt after listening to that episode? I freaking loved it. Rochelle is so smart, so knowledgeable. I feel like that was like one of the most educational episodes we've had yet. And I truly feel like I've gained so much valuable information to carry on with the rest of my life. When I'm buying groceries, when I'm thinking about the food on my plate at the restaurant, just being more mindful, moving slower, and really soaking in the beauty in what we're eating. So thank you, Rochelle. Honestly, like, so appreciate you. And I have no doubt that our audience loved this episode. And of course, if you did love this episode, share it with your crunchy granola friends. I know you got a gang of girls out there shopping at Whole Foods who are talking about composting, but are they? 
Let's be real here. Send this episode to anybody that you know who might have a passion for sustainability, who's maybe always been interested in farming or the way that food's produced. Send it to those gal pals because I know you got them. I know they're out there. And thank you again, you guys, so much for listening. It means the absolute world to me. And until next time, drink the bubs and tell all your BFFs they rock because they fucking do. Bye.